3: I wanted to be able to talk about it. I wanted to be able to say, really, your sexuality shouldn't have anything to do with your ability to be a parent, because when you're changing nappies or doing homework or learning about compound fractions or whatever it is, the last thing you're thinking about is who you're attracted to.
2: Movember presents In The Barber Chair, a podcast dedicated to bringing you real cuts and real conversations about men's health. I'm Matt Johnson and I'm your host. Movember wants men to take action to live happier, healthier, longer lives and they invest in prostate cancer, testicular cancer, mental health and suicide prevention. Hello there, welcome to the Movember in the Barber Chair podcast with me matt johnson today's guest is charlie condo he's a wonderful guy charlie how are you well I'm, I'm very well
3: thank you i seem to spend most of my time sat on a zoom meeting at the moment like the <laughs> majority of the career
2: <laughs> I, I, I was i was just saying earlier that uh, this has been my life for the last four months and if i was to look back on all the work that i've done it's usually just me in a t-shirt in my underwear but nobody sees what's underneath. Nobody sees the cracks behind the screen, do they? I mean,
3: it's the ideal job, really. I'm actually, I'm speaking to you from my bedroom where I've got a sort of weird little sound studio thing set up. And it's not, it won't be long until I'm in
2: bed talking to people and I won't have to get up at all. <laughs> yeah. Just move the microphone over there. <laughs> uh, how has it been? How has lockdown been for you in general, mate? Yeah, it,
3: you know what? It's been fine. We've we've managed it just the same as everyone else. It's been very strange. Um, it's been the kids have found it quite difficult to adjust. Homeschooling is not something I would wish on my worst enemy. <laughs> um, but, you know, we managed. We got through it. My my kids are pretty diligent. They're quite well-behaved. Um, it, it was lovely at the beginning. I felt like it was a real moment to sort of pause and reset in a way and just take some time. And, you know, all that hippie stuff of assessing what's important to you and, <laughs> you know, prioritizing, you know, the family. And after a while of that, you just think, I just I just want to go to the pub. <laughs> go out, yeah. my mates uh but yeah no we've we've coped fine it's all been all right
2: it's very true actually i i did the same i think uh, i've been through so many different stages through lockdown at the at the start it was a i was hell-bent on um helping people with with regards to their mental health and checking in with them etc and kind of that went into a flow and that's kind of kept lingering away at the beginning there was this um, awakening of wow this is an opportunity for us to really find who we are and what we want to do with our lives and you're absolutely right in the last two months I've just gone I just want to go out for a meal and and have somebody bring me some food I'm bored of this I'm just so bored how has it been for you regarding your your approach to your mental health has it really kind of um, made you ha- made you um, align with yourself a little bit
3: well, kind of. I mean, I, th- I, I think sort of two things have happened really. On the on the one hand, you know, just that, that basic stuff of going, ah, work, I haven't got any money coming in. I haven't got all of those things and so the bills still need to be paid. And to some degree, life goes on a, a, as usual. Um, and yet, For me, everything has kind of stopped. I was meant to be, well, in fact, I probably would have finished now, but I was just about to start rehearsing a play, um, which I would have been doing for the last few months. And I had various things that I was hosting that were coming in and loads of everything just stopped. And so uh, that has been really difficult to manage because I've never been in that situation before. And I don't know what to do about it. If you haven't got any money coming in, you can't make it come in. And yet at the same time, that kind of acceptance that it's the same for everybody, the same for everybody in the world, is in. I mean, ov- obviously, some people have money and some people are continuing to work, but everyone is in this really strange era of of lockdown, and 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 everybody's suffering to to some degree. And I think I've taken a bit of comfort in that, of going, well, you just have to, you know, accept the things that you can't change, right? Well,
2: that's very interesting because I. I always felt that um, I had FOMO. So if I wasn't working, everybody else was working and having a great time of it. Or um, if I was working, there was always something I should be doing that was extra. So if it was an event that I should be going to or, or doing something or doing more work. And for me, the great thing about this has been the great leveler in, in, especially in our industry, in the, in the, within the media industry. It's, it's just, every, it's, when everything's shut down and everybody's on that same level, there's, there's no FOMO, there's nowhere else to go. Nobody's having a better time. <laughs> Everybody's, everybody's sat in their house thinking how they can monetize a Zoom call. You know, that's, just, that's basically it. You know, how can I make money from an Instagram live? You know, and that's, and that, that's kind of, in a way, incredibly frustrating and, um, and hard because I know the, the, the arts and the media world have suffered greatly because of this. But at the same time, if we can get through it, I think there's so many positives from that. And you, you have children, and I'm a stepdad, so I I, I know what it kind of... It, I, we've shared the duties between my, my girlfriend and uh, her ex-husband, and homeschooling is... Beyond a joke, because I've <laughs> if you need to know anything about protons, neutrons and electrons, I'm your guy now. It's it's really opened my eyes to how difficult the world of being a teacher is, especially. How have you found that? You you mentioned it a bit earlier. Like that responsibility is absolutely huge, isn't it?
3: yeah it's been that's been really difficult actually um and you know my kids are 10 and 8 and i wasn't prepared for the fact that both of them are cleverer than i am uh, already <laughs> i i kind of knew it but sitting down to try and attempt compound fractions it was clear um and, and just all of it they're really they're, they're, they're sort of ahead of me um and and it's not as simple as kind of getting them up in the morning and putting them in front of the computer and saying right off you go there's all your lessons that the teachers have put online um because my kids school have been amazing in the in the stuff that they have been been doing in the online content and the teaching and all of that stuff has been just second to none but it's not as simple as just letting them get on with it because they just need help and at the beginning it was fine because they were just recapping stuff that they'd learned before but then as as this went on they started having to learn about new subjects the onus was on me and my husband to teach them (laughs) to be the (laughs) teacher and that was really difficult because it felt like it felt like a full-time job for us and of course we were trying to do our thing as well and work and it was it, it was difficult but I'm really glad that they're back at school <laughs>
1: <laughs> one size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on same goes for healthcare that's why united healthcare offers flexible budget friendly coverage for medical vision dental and more learn more at uh1.com
2: I, I, I admire your story as well with your family and, and what you've done and what you've achieved and what you've done publicly to, again, stigma, shame, all these things are always attached to whenever you stand up for, for what you are in and what's your truth. And, and, and I want to talk to you about um, what it was like to, to be as open as you were about how you formed your family and, uh, and what the, what feelings did you have when you, when you, publicly talked about it for the first time and and can you briefly tell the audience as well what your family setup is
3: yeah sure so i have i, I myself and my husband cameron we, we've been together 15 years now uh, and we have two children um and we co-parent with a friend catherine and catherine was a very old friend of mine who um i met her through an ex-boyfriend of hers and then they broke up we stayed friends and I'd always wanted to be a dad, but obviously it was a slightly, <laughs> a slightly different thing as a gay man. It's not quite as simple. You don't just fall into a relationship and have kids. Um, so I, knew I was going to have to think about it quite carefully. And Catherine was single, and I think she always thought that she would meet somebody and would settle down, and that didn't happen for her. And we'd always had that kind of conversation. that I think probably a lot of people have, which is, oh, if I hit 40 and I still haven't met somebody, we should have kids together. Um, but then she hit 40, and it became something... It was so important for her to be a mum. She desperately wanted to be a mum. She's a great mum. And she said to me, look, if I don't do this, I'm not going to have children. And I said to her, well, look, I really want to have kids, but we, don't, we were kind of stepping into the unknown because we didn't know anybody that had done something like this. And we were like, well, how does it work? Is it going to work? So we talked about it for years, actually probably talked about it too much every eventuality of what might happen and how it work, making sure we were on the same page all of that and then we just decided that we would sort of go for it and we we did ivf and went through all of that but yeah to cut a long story short we now have two kids um georgia and Hal. they are 10 and 8 they go between the two houses and they always have done since they were very small um that was one of my things was i you know my dad my dad went to prison when i was a baby and then went off to work on the cruise ships and whatever he wasn't really around and i was determined to not be an absent father that was that was the most important thing to me so i said if we're going to do this we're going to do it equally um we're gonna we're gonna have them half and half i don't just want to see them every other weekend and at christmas and she was completely on board with that. And so it's always worked that she has them Monday and Tuesday, we have them Wednesday and Thursday, and then we alternate the Friday, Saturday, Sunday, but she lives around the corner. We spend a lot of time together anyway. Um, so yeah, so that's, that's kind of how it works really. Um, the reason that I decided to, to talk about it was that I was on Coronation Street at the time. I, I was on Corrie for five years and I had quite a profile And I realized that there was nobody, certainly not talking about what we were doing. I didn't know whether there were other gay people that were doing it. I mean, my generation is if you were a gay man and you wanted kids, you either got married to a woman and went down that lie, or you parked it. You said, well, that's not going to happen. And I'm just going to have to, you know, be happy with godchildren and nieces and nephews or whatever it is, generally speaking. Um, And I decided that, I I wanted to be able to talk about it. I wanted to be able to say really your sexuality shouldn't have anything to do with your ability to be a parent because when you're changing nappies or doing homework or learning about compound fractions or whatever it is, the last thing you're thinking about is who you're attracted to and so i <laughs> quite arrogantly i suppose i went to the guardian and asked them if i could have a column uh, because i thought well, you can just do that you just go to the guardian they'll give you a column and that's fine um but they did actually um they said okay well you can write about it so i did for about a year in the every week uh, in the weekend guardian i i wrote a column called the three of us which was talking about our experiences because i wanted other gay people to know that it was a possibility um i also wanted people to know that Apart from a few logistical differences, parenting for gay people is exactly as boring and mundane and relentless <laughs> as it is for straight people <laughs> so yeah so that was that was my long answer to your short question
2: no it's a lovely lovely perfect is it's wonderful to to hear how how it can work and uh, it's not the regular um which which i hate i hate saying that even right now is the, the not the regular setup but it's a setup that works and it gives people an opportunity to have that need to be a parent fulfilled from all aspects
3: that was true it was and this came around about the time that you know we just equal marriage had just come in we were able to get married and it felt like there was a bit of a sea change that was going on in the LGBT community and 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 now the conversation has changed and now younger generations of gay men and women at least have a conversation about children at hmm. least they will say you know do you want kids I don't want kids you don't okay let's not have kids but it's there it's part of it's an option whereas it just wasn't something that we thought about it. it wasn't really an option when i was growing up and for that reason alone i wanted to talk about it
2: what was the reaction from uh from peers from from strangers uh, and employees what, what what was it like i have to say i was very lucky and i think in, and it was
3: overwhelmingly positive um one of the big fears that we had was oh but you know the kids might get bullied or you know any of that kind of stuff what 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 kind of a world are we bringing them into we had all those doubts as well because we didn't know we didn't we didn't know how it was going to work we didn't know if we were going to mess it up or you know there was a lot of pressure um but you know the three of us are quite smart responsible emotionally intelligent people so we, we, we were fairly confident that we were ready to have a family. Um, and, and I used to post links um, on Twitter every, every week to my column. I've got quite a lot of, of followers on Twitter, and I can say that I didn't get any bad feedback. I didn't have any of that stuff, um, which was great to see. Mm. Um, and, and that made me feel a lot better about it, a better about posting, because I didn't come in for a lot of the abuse that I could have done.
2: Well yeah, t- Twitter is awful. Even if you say my favorite ice cream is this, you'll have so many people saying it's not it's not your favorite ice cream. It's one of those places, but in and it's very important to have um people like you having that open conversation about what it's like to not live within the boxes that society like to give you and want to put you in, for example, the newspaper that wanted to shame you because you had a regular job when you are, you are a person on the TV, like you break the boundaries. That's completely normal. That's completely fine. And, and it's the same thing. You know, you have to have people uh, shining a light on it and, uh, and 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 making it normalised and normalising conversations around this this modern way of living, especially for gay people. Sure,
3: absolutely. And 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 these days, you know, there are so many different types of family. I mean, you yourself, you said you have a stepson, and you're with your girlfriend, and and there are so many people that single parents, divorce parents, you know, people that have adopted, people that have been through surrogacy or IVF or whatever it mm. is, people with with step parents and step siblings and all of that kind of stuff being brought up by the grandparents. There are so many and it's not the, the the kind of 1950s construct, I suppose of the, of the nuclear family is, is actually the minority. Now, if you think of a a man and a woman married with 2.4 kids, that's actually not it's much broader than that. Families are so many different things now.
2: And And my family is just one, type. But that's an incredibly poignant because what we perceive or what we were conditioned to think a family was, if you don't adhere to that, well, I, I've been through this personally myself. If you didn't, all my friends, I come from Caerphilly in South Wales, they were all married with kids by the time they were 21, you know, and if I didn't do that, I felt my parents have been together since they were 12 and they're still together. I know it's incredible, Gary and Pam going strong. And so that my expectations of what that reality was, you know, I couldn't live up to them. You know, it's, it's, it's something that I've lived a very different life and and my it only makes sense for me to be in a non-regular situation that works for me and I still feel that there's a part of me that uh, I have to have a child of my own, you know. But I personally don't think that's going to be the right option for me. But living within the the confines of what my society told me and conditioned me that how I should have lived, it's very very hard for for people's mental health. I know so many girls like you like like Catherine, for example. By the time I'm forty, I've got to have kids. I've got I've got female friends from back home that by the time I'm thirty. I should be married and have a kid and do all these things and have it all locked down and all worked out by then which is so damaging for your mental health because we're all very very complex and we're all living our very different lives and it's 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 so important to show other options
3: yeah i think it is and i think uh, shame is not something i'm very good at really I, i because i think it's so damaging for people and it's it's where every i mean so many mental health problems come from shame um and i refuse to be ashamed of who i am of how i live my life i refuse to be ashamed of going to get a job when i need some money i certainly won't be shamed by the papers about it um and i won't be ashamed of my family and i think that, that when i started to accept that and when i started to Realized that actually I was happy with who I am as a person and I like the way that I lived my life And I like the way that I conduct my relationships my relationship with my husband, but also with my friends my kids my family Um, And once I kind of accepted who who I was properly accepted I let a lot of that stuff go because it's so damaging. It really is and and as you say, it's not just you know I, I think gay people have have things slightly different, being born into a world that doesn't necessarily, you know, they don't fit into a lot of the times, but you can, you see it everywhere. And as you were saying the the community that you grew up in, and I think one of the reasons that, that men struggle with mental health so much is there are so many expectations on them um, to be a certain way, to be strong, to not show their feelings, to not cry, to not, you know, all of those things teaching them from a very young age to be ashamed of that stuff
2: yeah i I completely agree with you uh lots of uh men that i talk to about this subject because it's something that's very close to my heart i need i I tried to take my own life 10 years ago um not necessarily because of these reasons there's certain elements of living somebody else's purpose and not being my true self and suppressing my own self leading me to um uh, to drink alcohol and to, to kind of numb that, uh, already numbing pain, if you know what I mean. And, and lots of people that I speak to, it is genuinely because of these expectations that they feel they should adhere to. And like, what is it? the, 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 the man that they're supposed to be? And I do in many ways, I've got so many gay mates that have been through that from the age, as from as far as they could, they can remember, because you know, I, I as a straight man, I've gone through my life, you know, adhering to what a straight man can be, and then got to a part of my life where that was more complicated for me. Um, do you feel that? Um, I'm not sure what your experience was like when you were coming out. Do you feel like because you've had that already going against the grain from a very young age, it's um, helped you? prepare yourself for other eventualities, like having this um, non-normal family, et cetera. uh, What was your experience like first and foremost when you were uh, a young man um, and you knew that you were gay?
3: Yeah, I suppose it was something that kind of gradually dawned on me. Um, Although looking back, I think I'd probably always known, but I I never really, it it wasn't something I was conscious of until I was in my late teens. and, and I certainly didn't want to be gay. I mean, I remember feeling very strongly that, and I had lots of girlfriends and when I was even, even after I'd come out, I was still having girlfriends and still trying to be straight. I mean, I was, I was lucky in a lot of ways. I was brought up in Soho. (laughs) So, I mean, you know, it was everywhere. Um, I had a very accepting family, my family, my sister and my mum and my dad, my stepdad um, were all uh, were all kind of you know very very accepting and very um, happy for me although I do remember my mum saying to me I'm just the thing that upsets me is I know how much you want to be a dad and I'm really sorry that that's not going to happen for you because of course that was her generation she why Mm. would she think that I would have kids and I remember funnily enough having this conversation with Kathy Burke who I've been friends with for for decades now but when I was a teenager talking to Kath about that after I'd just come out and saying, this is what my mum said. Kath said to me, that's, that's a load of rubbish. She didn't use the word rubbish, obviously. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) But she said, she said, if you want to be a dad, you should be a dad, find a way of doing it. And you, you do you basically. Mm. And uh, funnily enough that she's my son's godmother now because of that, because I feel like without her, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have had kids. Mm. But that was something that made me go, actually, that's right. I can i can live my life the way I want to live it yeah um, so i was I was quite lucky in that I came out into the family that I did. And I was living in Soho, kind of, you know, the, the, the gay centre of the world, it felt... It's hard not so to I, be gay I, in Soho. I, 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 all right, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I didn't have an option. It's a done um, deal. But yeah, it's right, exactly. Um, so yeah, so it was fine for me. and I, uh, But it took me a while to kind of really feel okay with it. Um, it was, there was never any question that I was going to keep it a secret and work. I was mm. never... I didn't. I, I knew so many actors that were in the closet and I just thought that's really not for me my work's important to me but not as impor- important as my mental health and my sanity yeah um, so yeah so that was never an option
2: well that's the thing it's it's and we see it in so many different ways whenever you suppress a certain uh, part of you and you keep that hidden away and in uh, your uh, you're led to uh, Put that away because of shame or for whatever reason that does bubble away it's uh, and you're living a life that's not suited towards you and that's i think a lot of men suffer from that and it doesn't have to be as uh, such a powerful emotion as not being comfortable with your sexuality and interestingly
3: it's, enough it's something that i think a lot about being a parent and being a parent in a same-sex relationship because the kids are with us off the week and obviously they're with their mom as well mm-hmm. but in a, uh, heterosexual um, relationships, a lot of the time you will find that the roles are quite clearly defined. So the woman tends to, and this is a generalization, but generally mm-hmm. speaking, the woman tends to do the emotional stuff and the nurturing and the the, the, the the looking after the children emotionally and the cuddly stuff and all of that stuff. And whereas the dad will do the practical things and teach them how to ride a bike and teach mm-hmm. them, you know, Values and how to be strong and all of that kind of thing. And this seems to be the way that the world goes. And we fall into these roles without even knowing that we're doing it. And it may be that actually the dad is better at that stuff. In certain families it may be, but actually when the kid's sick, it's the dad that has the skills that are better for that. And actually the woman is much more better at teaching them woodwork. Or whatever it is, but because of yeah. the way that the society is, you end up going. Well, that's sort of the dad's job, and the mum does this. In 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 my relationship, we don't have that option because we're both we're both men. So mm-hmm. so we have to kind of fall to our skill sets, if you like, and they can change. So sometimes, you know, my son was up last night because he had growing pains and it was Cameron that went and dealt with it and gave him cuddles and got him back to sleep and did all that stuff because I'd had a long day and I wasn't, it wasn't, whereas if perhaps I'd been the woman, that just would have been what i did do you, do you see what i mean
2: i think it's just very difficult when you assign yourself a box and and you're so rigid i think it, it you know in, in any relationship i've i'm constantly uh, assessing that with my relationship is because you have to be uh, malleable you have to be fluid you have to roll switch constantly because if you're stuck in that one rigid situation that's when it becomes difficult especially for your mental health yeah yeah for sure even I, when I was younger, used to think that I had to have everything worked out by the time I was 30. That's completely out of the window. You think of what happens recently with COVID-19. Whatever plans you were making, forget about them. Because life happens and you just got to get on with it. You have to be malleable. Otherwise, if you think you can have it all worked out and sewn up and, and retired by 60, well... I asked my mother who was supposed to retire at 60 and then didn't have a pension and she won't have it for another few years. You know, pe- things change. You can't be stuck in your ways so much. And it's not saying that I d- don't feel any sort of remorse or anything for that. And it's awful but you know one of the, my favorite comp, quote, quotes is uh, if you want to make god laugh tell him your plans you're <laughs> like, yeah, all right, good luck with that um which is very interesting and, and i was, I was going to ask you but just before I, I you leave and, and i don't wanna, I could talk to you all day by the way um how uh how do we help people understand that life is um somewhat of a, a very complex creature that you have no um, way of planning for it and, and not to stay inside a box. How do you kind of show people there's another way?
3: I, I don't know, and I, I wish I did. I think, I think the, the best place is to start, um, to start those conversations, to start trying to educate people uh, around you know, the, the, the dangers of limiting yourself in in those ways how how dangerous it can be to not be able to express yourself properly how how dangerous it can be to try and live a life that isn't authentic i don't like that word because i think it's become a bit of an american kind of being my authentic self mm. um uh, but actually i think what is really important is that you you is that you do think, what is what is it that I want actually? Not what is expected of me or where do people think I should be or what is it, you know, what do I want to do? Because I could have, you know, getting a job in a restaurant or whatever, I could have been really ashamed of that. I could have been really embarrassed and I could have gone, oh, I've had this great career and I've been on TV and you know, nominated for stuff and suddenly I'm working in a restaurant and oh my God, what's happened to me? This is awful. And what are people going to think and all the rest of it? <laughs> or I could go, I had some really great jobs that paid me really well. And now I'm doing this and I have to work a hell of a lot harder, but I'm having a great time. I'm really enjoying myself. I'm working with my mate. And yes, people recognize me sometimes. And that's really nice because I like being recognized and I like having a little chat with people. And and it's fine. And and I think you have to make a decision about what how you are going to respond to the kind of the projections that people put onto you. Um, because actually what's important is that you are doing what's right for you at any one time. And of course we can make plans and of course we can try and plan for our future. But it's, as you say, it's about being accepting of where we are. And in a way, maybe, maybe this, this strange coronavirus period has been good for people in some ways because it's forcing us in a way to to live in the moment which is something we should probably all do a bit more of
2: what do you do to practice that is that do you have any tools to kind of get you present to get you in the moment to get you really uh, in line with who you are and what you want
3: um i wouldn't say i've got any tools particular uh other than I, I, I'm quite good at knowing when I'm not feeling good. So um, if I'm starting to feel anxious, or if I'm uh, if if things are not if I'm feeling like I'm going, if I'm getting um, I don't really get depressed, but if I'm if I feel like I'm getting low, I know what it is that I need to do. I know that I either need to go and talk to somebody, you know, have a conversation, talk about how I'm feeling. If something that's not quite right, trying to figure out what is, or something just be as simple as going for a run or going out getting some air, changing my environment, but also just I think there's a lot there's a huge onus on people being happy, and it's great to be happy, and we all want to be happy, but it's not realistic to be happy all the time, and I think part of the problem is that people are scared of being sad they 're scared of being angry they're scared of being frightened Um, and all of those things are natural emotions that everybody goes through and I think for me um, I suffered very badly from anxiety when I was much younger And and I think accepting that and realizing that actually all of my emotions were valid and it wasn't just about the good ones the bad ones were all right as well because that's part of who I am and just accepting that and going, I'm having a bad time or I'm in a really bad mood and I'm angry or I'm upset or I'm frightened or any of that is just a part of who I am and it's all right. And when you start to accept that, it, it kind of dissipates, it makes it easier. It's letting yourself off the hook really.
2: I think you're absolutely right. I think those those are very powerful words. I over the last 5 years have realized it's absolutely fine to feel like shit or just be angry with something and and especially um having some work with therapy um which has been a godsend for me just like having somebody to talk to every now and then it's okay to feel those those angry moments instead of squashing them down and so sort of they pop up in some other area it's just embrace it and utilize it and turn it into something really positive
3: it's really important but also when you've grown up in the world and i'm not saying this comes from directly from our parents or our teachers just generally in the world when we when, when there are messages like you know be a brave little man and you know mm. boys don't cry and all of that stuff that we're taught that goes in mm-hmm. because girls don't have that you know girls girls are never told not to cry or to pull themselves together or to be brave or you know it's and it's so dangerous now, yeah. if my son's upset, I say, go and have a cry. I will, <laughs> you know, <laughs> if I need to. And it's important because it's real. It's what mm. you're feeling. And that should, that should never be denied.
2: It's authentic. I said it. I'm sorry. There you go. But, <laughs> but it's true. <laughs> it is true. It's, it's honest that- more than anything. Have you have you um been through therapy? Because you sound like you, you you. Oh yeah, you can you're tell. Very right? knowledgeable. <laughs> no, no, it sounds. Like you you know what you're talking about. If you, I went
3: through therapy when I was very young. I was um in my early twenties, and I was living quite a hedonistic lifestyle. I used to live with Robbie Williams back in the day when uh, when he was quite. Wow, was the, the kind of peak of his career? And we were flatmates, and you know, I was I was taking a lot of drugs, and I was out every night. And at the same time, I was really struggling with his, my sexuality, but 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 with anxiety and panic attacks. And I got into therapy then, and I did that for a long time. And then and then years later, um, me and my husband couples counselling for a brief period of time, a uh, while ago now, a decade ago um and that was really useful for us it us how to communicate much better together um so yeah i think it's something that's really important i think if people use it properly and they don't just go and just offload a bad week they've had but actually that they need to do i think it's invaluable we all we all go to the gym after our bodies and know how important it is to look on the outside but actually it's the inside that we all need to be looking at
2: Oh, I know. And normalizing therapy is the the greatest next step for mankind. Absolutely. Absolutely. I can't speak highly enough of it. And of you, my friend. Thank you so much for your time today. Thank you. You're very very, welcome. uh, You're you're, you're very wise, I will say. (laughs) Very wise. (laughs) That's what I tell my kids. (laughs) they're they're trying to get my phone off me they will listen one day I promise you (laughs) that's what I'm telling myself he's going to be so grateful one day he's going to be like I'm glad you shouted at me Um, but thank you so much for your time Um, good luck with everything and uh, hopefully I'll see you in real life at some point soon
3: absolutely
2: now that we have a beer maybe we should do that that would be wonderful cheers mate thank you so much change the face of men's health. For more information or to support Movember, head to movember.com. Hold up.